Oh, shit. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins, for NFL Week 14. I cannot believe it. Only a few more regular season episodes to go. Boys have been buzzing here, sitting in the pre-show lobby. Blaine, Johnny joining me as always. We have Thursday Night Football on in the background. Wait, Chandler, you guys are recording on a Thursday? Yes, we are. The host and founder of the Figure It Out podcast was a terrible host this week. Scheduling conflicts last night. Had to postpone. Show goes on. We're recording during Thursday Night Football, so we won't talk about Rams Raiders, but we will update you as we go. Let's hear from the boys. We'll start with Johnny. Johnny, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Chandler. I am also uh, off the routine a little bit uh, with the podcast being moved. I'm recording this from the iPad. I moved into my new office this week, which is a big deal and uh, proud of it and everything, but having to change things up a little bit by doing this on the iPad. But I think it still sounds good. We're still going to carry the boats. We're going to talk about a whole lot of football and a lot of meaningful football. Um, you know, every game in, in this season is meaningful. But now that we're getting to week 14 and to nut-cutting time, I mean, these games are huge. Every play is, you know, make or break your season type stuff. So I'm looking forward to talking about it, especially the Chiefs game, looking to bounce back. Johnny, you sound great. I like the iPad edition, actually. Uh, keep on it, brother. Blaine, what's up, man? I'm back. I mean, it's probably going to help your wallets to listen to these two guys do this recap for the last few weeks when I've been gone on business and out. And um, You're welcome, I guess, is what I'll say before this show starts. So appreciate having you. I, I know you appreciate having me as much as I appreciate yeah, doing this. We're really glad you're back, Blaine. <laughs> Trust me. It's been, we've really missed you. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm 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 uh, I'm really excited for this. I, I got a lot to say about the end here at the Chiefs too, as we recapped a little bit. And then this this is a really, um, I know you think, oh, it's coming down to the playoffs, but there's some teams that must win scenarios this week, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we do that, let's start the show as always with last week's takeaway, week thirteen takeaway for the boys. Um, Blaine, let's just go ahead and start with you, brother. Are the Cowboys that good? Like, are the Cowboys the best team in the NFC right now? I mean, that they are shocking me in the way they played last week against Indianapolis. I know that Indianapolis has a lot to prove with Saturday, but with with the Niners and Jimmy G going down, who's going to step up and with the Vikings at the top there with the Cowboys? And, you know, you're looking across the board with, you know, obviously the Eagles are there, but that division um, – Eagles and Cowboys got to play each other again here, and it's going to be interesting to see how good the Cowboys are for the rest of the year because they look legit. My Week 13 takeaway ties in perfectly well because I do think that the Cowboys are pretty good, but speaking of who they have to play, I take away from Week 13 that Philadelphia is legit, and I'm honestly going to go out on a limb here and say in Week 14, if this Eagles team does not make it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, that it is a waste of a season for them. I really think that they should represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, I think that they are the best team in the NFC. I do think there are some potential challengers where they can slip up, but, man, they've already passed their tests. They have one more to pass with Dallas, but even if they lose that, it's not that big of a deal because they already beat Dallas, in my opinion smashed Minnesota, who's a fraud in the NFC. And there's nobody else in the NFC that is better than Philadelphia at this moment. And 
My takeaway is Philly, good. Philly doesn't make it to the Super Bowl. Waste of a season. Johnny, wrap us up, buddy. Takeaway is that so much of the success that a football team has can be attributed to what side of injury luck they are on. You know, we've been talking and everyone's been talking about how good this 49ers team is. And not that we think Jimmy G is a world beater. Like, you know, he's he's been to multiple conference championship games, of course, lost the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in 19. But I do think that, you know, Jimmy's not a top 10 quarterback or anything, but he breaks his foot. And now this team that a lot of people thought had a really good chance to get out of the NFC is starting a Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. And look, like it'd be great if he, if he, it'd be a great story if he had some success, but it's looking like, this team's starting quarterback is out for the season and, and they're and they're in trouble. So much of a team's success is is just based off of whether you, your, your key players get injured or not. This is a physical game and it's it's something that you can't really predict. Like if a quarterback's running recklessly kind of like Josh Allen, you raise your risk of getting injured. But sometimes fluky shit just happens that you can't plan on and it's and it's just so crucial. And now as we get into colder games and 14 weeks of, of, of hits are racking up on these guys' bodies, injuries are just going to be that much more of a factor. It's just about getting your team as healthy as possible as you make your way to January. Yep, really well said. Let's go ahead and let's dive into this Sunday slate. Awesome games, honestly, up and down the board here. Quick update on Thursday Night Football. Into the first quarter, Raiders 10, Rams 3, a Josh Jacobs rushing touchdown, shout out my fantasy team, and a Daniel Carlson field goal for the Raiders, and a field goal for the Rams kicker Matt Gay, I believe. He put one just through the uprights right before the end of the first quarter um, to make the score what it is. Actually, I think it's Cameron Dicker, now that I think about it. I think it's Dicker the kicker. I'm almost sure of it. Anybody want to say anything? I thought, on that I, mean, I, I thought he was I, I a charger. I think it. I, I think it, it doesn't. Who fucking cares? It's the kicker. So, <laughs> well, who the fuck hey, cares? No, Bingo! I'm a specialist through and through, so I do care. I whenever and the that Chiefs comes up, special teams stink. Yeah, they do. They do stink. Um, we can get to them in a second. Let's get to the slate. We'll start AFC North big battle. Ravens going on the road to the Steelers. Two weeks ago, they would not have been an underdog in this game. Two-point underdogs on the road with the injury to Lamar. Um, Steelers, guys, maybe a little juice. Uh, TJ Watts come back. You know, they picked up an ugly win on Monday Night Football against the Colts. People seem to kind of start believing in Kenny Pickett, maybe. Baltimore in a really weird spot. Lamar out for a few weeks. But these are crucial games, as we talked about here, coming down the wire. Great coaching battle. I, in in this true division matchup with two not great quarterbacks, I believe it's going to be Huntley for the Ravens, Tyler Huntley. I think I'm going to go Steelers, guys. I really do. I think the Steelers, um, I think they figure out a way to win this game at home, and I love the line at minus two because I think they can win on a, on a field goal. I'm going to go Steelers here. Um I think it could be a pretty decent game, honestly, between two not great quarterbacks. Blaine, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to know what what's going to happen with this game just because the implications right now are massive for both teams and that the quarterback play sucks. I mean, sucks. I, I don't think Pickett's going to be the guy in the future. I just I, – I don't – I want it to happen for Pittsburgh. I think it's a cool story, but I just don't see it. And the situation with Baltimore without having Lamar Jackson – you know, whenever he has went down in the in the past, their defense has been a lot better and they've been able to overcome it. This year, Baltimore's is not as good. And I just don't know if, you know, how long ever Lamar Jackson's down, it's it's horrible for the Ravens postseason chances because or the seeding because they're just not going to be as good as they have. They're not going to be able to overcome it. I like Pittsburgh because of that. No, Lamar. Sorry. It, the other side of the football is not going to do it for me. Yeah, this totals at 37 and a half. This game, you can easily slap the stinky tag on. It flat out wow. sucks. Um, it, traditionally, it doesn't. This this specific matchup sucks. Tyler Huntley versus Kenny Pickett with a 37 and a half point total. Um, I think Pittsburgh would be the play here. At least they have their first choice at quarterback, and they're at home and it's a division game. Um, and, and and for Baltimore, it's like the same story, right? This happened last year. Lamar got injured. And now, uh, you know, over the offseason, the Ravens and Lamar and, and Lamar's agent, which I believe is his mom, went to the negotiation table and couldn't come to an agreement on a fat-ass contract. And now he's injured again when they're heading to the playoffs. I'm curious how that negotiation is going to go um this offseason this might be a crazy take this might be a I'm kind of tired so this might be a tired take <laughs> I don't think it's out of the question that Lamar is is a quarterback for another team sometime soon I I think if you absolutely know the guy is the guy there is no hesitation or question if you are going to pay him or not so look Maybe it's not likely, but I would not totally rule out Lamar Jackson being the quarterback for somebody else in the not-so-distant future. I'll take the Steelers, minus two. Maybe it's not likely. I see what you did there in the little Isaiah Likely joke, speaking of the Ravens. Let's stick in the AFC North because it's such an awesome division, not. Cleveland Browns go on the road to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, another AFC North duel and one that the Browns are 1-0 in this season. Five-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road here. I think I love that line. Bengals off a big emotional victory over our Kansas City Chiefs, as we know. Um, everybody's been telling them how great they are. And, guys, I know they had won a lot of games leading up to the Chiefs game, and I'm not going to take anything away from the Bengals, but – do I think they can handle sustained success? Yes. Do I think that this is a difficult spot for them? I do. Deshaun Watson, game under his belt, kind of knocked the rust off. It was not great in Houston. Weird situation for him. Curious to see how he responds in a big test in Cincinnati because it's going to be a different atmosphere for this Browns team. Again, I think they should try and line up and run the ball 20, 25 times, and 20 of those should be to Nick Chubb, shout out my fantasy team. In the playoffs, not to brag. Browns, 
I love the five and a half here. I really do. I'm going to take that. I do think Cincinnati is going to win. I think they can make enough plays against this spotty Cleveland defense. I don't get why they're spotty, guys. I really don't. I want to see maybe a little bit of more action from Miles Garrett this week. Get after Burrow a little bit. We'll see. Browns plus five and a half, I think, is the right way to go. Bengals will win this football game. Johnny? I wish Blaine was going first on this one because if we reference back to the previous matchup, Blaine astutely picked the Monday night the Monday night matchup in Cleveland. Um, Cleveland absolutely destroyed this this team, and yeah, I'm not, Burrow's never beaten the Browns, so I guess the play would be to just ride that to, to ride that with the points. Like I don't know if I don't know if if money line Browns would be the savviest of plays here with them being on the road, but certainly the five and a half is, is enticing. Yes. They need to run the football. I know it had been like 700 days and there's probably some rust to, to attribute to why the performance was bad from Deshaun Watson, but he is just you like, he's just a fucking weirdo. And so <laughs> like, I don't know like how good he, they, he only had 12 completions. He didn't throw a touchdown. I don't believe like, you know, and it was against the Texans who were really bad. Maybe that was just to kind of get him in back into some game reps, but um, he certainly didn't impress much last week. I'll take the Browns with the five and a half, and I'm with you. Like, like we said on the recap, uh, the Bengals own the Chiefs right now. But if Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble the ball, the Chiefs beat the Bengals right there. I don't know if the Bengals are the Bengals are the kryptonite to the Chiefs right now, but the Browns have been the kryptonite to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So I'll take them. That's just the hard part about this game is when the Bengals get hot, they are so goddamn mm. confident and they're so good because of it. And it's infuriating, but they're so goddamn confident right now. I'd have a hard time betting against them. Five and a half with Deshaun Watson. You know, you don't know. I, I saw some headlines that said Deshaun Watson, you know, basically says when it clicks, it's going to click at some point, but I don't know if if Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst games in the last handful of years, completion-wise, if Deshaun Watson can complete anything against his confident Cincinnati defense. So, yes, Cleveland's won five straight. Deshaun has never played. You know, a, a two two game in quarterback coming in. You know, as this game starts, I, it, it, it's almost impossible for me to take Deshaun Watson because I have no idea what's there, and I'm going to take the hot hand in the Cincinnati Bengals. Speaking of Blaine's Week 13 takeaway, the Dallas Cowboys host the Houston Texans in a battle of Texas, and a battle of Texas, which I am confident in putting the stinky tag on because I think this game flat out stinks. Honestly, just because of how bad Houston is, Dallas is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that is a giant number, and that might sound stupid, but, man, is that a gigantic number. They're minus 2,500. On the money line, Barstool Sportsbook. Um, not a lot of faith here for the Texans. Won't spend much time. I'll take Dallas. But, man, I still think 17 and a half is a ton. I mean, whew, that's a lot. That's a lot of money or, excuse me, a lot of points to put money on. But maybe, maybe, Blaine, talk to me. Yeah, I mean, they. <laughs> the, I, I would love to pick Houston here, but Dallas just beat Indianapolis by 40, and they beat Minnesota by 30. 30 40s they, they aren't taking their foot off the gas right and whenever i was looking at this game i was like this is a clear foot off the gas game and then i was like oh shit it's dallas and looked at what they have done in the past like they want to kick everybody's ass that they play apparently so 
you know, it's hard because the the Rams Chiefs, we saw the way that went, and that was the highest spread of the year at 16, or what was it, 16 and a half, I think it was. This is 17. And then the other was the Texans Dolphins. That was 14 and a half. Dolphins went up 30 to nothing, and then it was 30 to 15 at the end of that game. So, I mean, maybe the Col- maybe the Cowboys do take their foot off the gas. I, you know, I just, I really, I really don't know. Uh, I, you know what? I'm a, I'm a flip flop, flip flop, flip flop. Chandler yeah. Collins. I'm going Houston. Oh, I yeah. could guess that, man. Really Rest, you, Blaine. No, glad it's big. Glad you took two weeks off. Really glad to have you back. Flip flop, flip flop, flip flop. Johnny talks. Foot off the gas game. <laughs> You would have to be an absolute sicko freak pervert to bet this game. I, this yeah. Was just yeah. So <laughs> yes. Like, I know it's for the content and stuff, but there is just no way that I would bet this game. If I were to, it would be, it would be more, it's more fun to bet massive dogs like this than it is massive favorites because the favorites a lot of times take their foot off the gas and there's lots of opportunity for you to get a backdoor cover at the end or, or, or if it's a, 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 a poor performance from the favorite, then you're just, you're in it the whole time and it's really fun. Um, so like in that scenario, yeah, I would take the Texans and the points here, but the, the big picture, um, I think is that it's just a damn shame that the Texans are even in this league. This is, it is actually <laughs> pathetic. It, it is pathetic and embarrassing that a professional line is 17 and a half points that like, you know, and there could be, I hope it doesn't happen. Knock on wood, like, but like there's still violent collisions every play. Like what if somebody actually meaningful for the Dallas Cowboys gets injured in this game against this pathetic puke of an organization. Like it's just a damn shame and an embarrassment, frankly, that the Texans are are even taking part uh, in this game. So yeah, I would take them if I had to bet on it, but I won't be doing that. I think the chiefs might've ruined the Texans like just forever. And that comeback in the playoffs. I mean, everything has changed for them since then. Everything. But, just... And the good news is uh, the, T- the Chiefs get to play them next week. So that's great. Maybe the highest line of the week, NFL Week 15 pod. You never know. Could be. Three out of the first four matchups we talked about tonight are going to be divisional opponents. This one, AFC South battle. Jacksonville Jaguars go on the road to the Music City to take on the Tennessee Titans. Weird line here. What does Vegas know that we don't know? Titans only favored by four after the Jaguars made me, and I think a little bit of Johnny too, sound like an absolute idiot last week on the pod, getting absolutely trounced by Detroit in Detroit. I think we went to bat for the Jaguars last week. I even maybe ventured out and said, uh, Johnny, Johnny Road Jags. I don't know. Johnny didn't agree to that, but they are dead. I think Tennessee rolls here big time. Um, what an embarrassing performance and loss for this Jaguars team who had been playing well up until that point, but I have no faith in them to go on the road here and, and cover this four points. I see Tennessee winning by a touchdown or more. I think Derrick Henry can run all over this defense. Their defense is okay. But after you give up that many points to Detroit, why would I have any confidence in you? Give me the Titans all day at home. Vrabel's going to make it nasty. Johnny? 
I haven't looked at the injury news this week. I know Tannehill missed at least one day of practice. I think on I think it was I think yesterday. So hopefully he's back to practice. But yeah, the play that I want to do to make would be on the Titans here. And now these are two teams that made me look like an absolute fool on our pod last week because I thought the Titans would cover the points against the Eagles. Uh, they got slaughtered. And, um, yeah, the Jaguars are just completely pathetic. Another another one of those teams that, yeah, they they basically controlled their own destiny before the last game, and they totally fucked it. And, um, yeah, embarrassing. Kind of just tells you all, all you need to know. And I did see that there was a ugly-looking play with Trevor Lawrence, but he ended up coming back into the game. So I think he's 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 going to be fine. Like his leg was wrapped up underneath him against the Lions, but hopefully he's hopefully he's not injured. But it's not really going to matter because Rabel's going to be coming after Trevor Lawrence's ass, and I think it'll be good enough to cover the three and a half points. So I'll take him. Yeah, this, this game the injury report is weird because I mean if you're in Tennessee, you've dealt with injuries all year. Like I mean they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys defensively on the IR. And then on top of that, since that's happened, Simmons is questionable. Tart, or ta- nose tackle, questionable. Danico Altree, their best linebacker slash edge rusher, questionable. And David Long Jr., their best linebacker, also questionable. So it's like, man, I Tennessee owns Jacksonville. They've won nine of the last ten. But the if you can't, if you don't have a front, you don't have a football team on the defensive side. So I think it's going to be. I, that's why this line's four. It could be a close game. I see it as a close game. I'll go ahead and take Tennessee at home because they do own Jacksonville, but and because Trevor Lawrence, like you're saying, with that with that toe is is very questionable as well. And I'd I'd rather take a, a healthy quarterback with a bad defensive line than uh maybe not a quarterback. So talk to me Sunday to see if Lawrence plays. Another divisional matchup, this time the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings travel to take on the Detroit Lions. I have a feeling this will be a very interesting topic here for this podcast. Detroit Lions are favored by two points at home. Can everybody hear me okay? I just, for some reason, my my uh, laptop just freaked out. Lions favored by two points at home against the Minnesota Vikings. The best team in the NFC, yada, yada, yada. They win all these close games, yada, yada, yada. Jets outgained them last week. I hope everybody on the pod and listeners know that. Um, the Jets were inside the 10-yard line with a chance to win the game. I hope everybody realizes that. And for a team to be as highly touted as this Vikings team is in the NFC, um, they're a joke. They are just a flat-out joke, and they are not very good on defense, even though their defense did stand up. And 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 thankfully, for Kirk Cousins' sake, won them this football game um, against the worst offense, in my opinion. I think Detroit's offense is better than the Jets' offense. I think Goff is playing with a lot of confidence. Roll with the Lions, people. I'm telling you, I'm taking them. Hell, I might bet them on the money line. If I was a betting man, I'd take the Lions to win out right here. Um, and I I wouldn't be scared to take them to win by more than two points. Give me the Lions all day, Blaine. <clears throat> can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, I got my puke bucket right next to me. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's a horrible bet, to be completely honest. I just – the Lions are the hottest team in football right now. 
They've their only loss is to the Buffalo Bills that they should have won that game over their last five. Their offense is on fire and they play really well at home. I mean, they put up 30 points in in at least six games, at least 30 points in six games this year. They could score. And you get Jameson Williams was sprinkled back in last week. How much is he going to play this week? That offense is golf. If he gets time, he could sling it. Amon Rod St. Brown. I mean, they're looking as the worst team in football six weeks ago to smell on a playoff berth if they beat the Vikings here. I mean, th- this game is everything for Detroit. It's going to be a, a madhouse. Vikings are coming into a tough spot. But uh, obviously, I'm going to go Vikings. I mean, it's the bend don't break. Yes, 25th in DVOA in their defense, but 14th in scoring. Did it against the Jets, you know, bend, 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 two-yard line, don't break. Did it a couple times against the Bills. That's what's, that's what's winning them ball games. Kirk in this offense is going to have no problem scoring the rock. I mean, take the over. Dalvin Cook has been amazing this year, almost has eclipsed 1,000 yards. Justin Jefferson's the best in football. Kirk Cousins does his job as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. It's going to be an awesome game. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, Minnesota is so, so, so the best team in in football. No, I mean, they're really good. That's obvious. They're going to be one of the best top seeds in the NFC. But you get Detroit. Is Detroit playing like one of the best teams in the NFC right now? I'm not going to sit here and say Minnesota trounces. I'll say they cover, but it is going to be fun. Another close Vikings win. Nothing, Chandler. You want me to go? I yeah, you were I think say. I believe it's no. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so is this the is this the the matchup that we've seen, or like the spot, I guess, that we've seen year in and year out, where the Lions get a little bit of momentum and they have a meaningful big time game. And the Detroit Lions, it seems like they always lay a fucking egg in this game. Like, that's what this feels like to me. Uh, I I think Minnesota is the one of the biggest frauds I've ever seen of a team in me years. Too. God damn. In years. In years. And it's not just me. Like, no, it's Chandler, me too. I, it's no, I'm saying like it. I, I've been reading, I've read stuff on uh, on uh, on Twitter over the last week or two talking about if you look at some of the metrics and like how these how people classify team like people not like nerds like PFF, how like people who know their shit about football form their opinions of teams when they look at the numbers and the results of the games. Basically, Minnesota has just gotten incredibly lucky, and you if you look incredibly. at incredibly. And if you look at what's happened this year, there are so many times that the ball has just bounced their way. And really, Blaine, I said this in the group the other day, <laughs> I cannot believe the lengths that you are going to defend a team that you really do not give a fuck about. Yeah. I'm right. They're Blaine's favorite I NFC was right. Team. I was right. I was right from the start of this thing. Blaine, I'm correct not... me if I'm wrong here, but they are your favorite NFC team, eh? I mean, if I were to if I were to pick one, yeah. I mean, I would love to go to a game up there. And I'm I stood by Kirk Cousins because it's been a hot take for me since we started this pod. You started this podcast and you had me on. I mean, <laughs> I got to stick by it. Well, I actually am going to take them to cover the points here. Um, 
because as I started this, to me, until I'm proven wrong by Detroit, okay, great, Detroit, you beat the fucking Jags. Congratulations. This is like the spot. This is your at home. There is a team that people are calling fraudulent, but is 10 and 2. And I've had a lot of big wins coming into your building, divisional opponent. Uh, they're currently ninth in the standings. Detroit is. They're ninth, and seven teams get into the playoffs. So, like, they're, they're right there hunting for a playoff berth. And to me, every time I've seen this with the Lions, it's been the same thing, and it's a huge letdown. So, I'll take Minnesota, uh, but I – Vegas has the Lions as a favorite. What does that tell you about what people who know no, what no, about no. Minnesota? It's more Lions than it is Minnesota. They've lost. Vegas has lost so much money over the last five weeks on the on the Lions that they're tired of it and they're going to back it because they think people are going to keep betting Lions. It's Vegas's yeah. smart move. It's not more about how Minnesota is. I just the Lions have been that good. I, I that's my spin on this to try. I guess if I'm trying to defend, but that's it. And, and I got a hot take, guys. The Vikings could very easily be the number one seed in the NFC. They got the Lions, the Colts, the Giants, the Packers, and the Bears to close. Those They could go 5-0 very easily and be 15-2. and two. And if the Eagles slip a couple times in that tough division, look out. AFC East battle. New York Jets travel to take on the Buffalo Bills. Ten-point favored Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think that's an incredibly too high of a number based on what the Jets have some sort of resurgence with Mike White and the offense has looked a lot better the past couple of weeks, put up some points against Minnesota, as we just alluded to. Uh, but I think Buffalo at home is a different animal. Um, I do believe Buffalo wins Josh Allen. Obviously we know the talent that he has, um, but I really question kind of some of the Buffalo injuries on defense. They are banged up and Johnny alluded to this in his open, his week 13 takeaway, injuries are so important right now. Von Miller on the IR. I mean, this Bills team has kind of gotten a little bit of an injury bug. And will this play a factor coming on the stretch for this team? You kind of have to say yes at this point. I think 10 points is way too many. I think that this Jets team covers this spread. I really do it, especially in a divisional game and a game that both these teams <clears throat> know each other really well. I think the Jets are up for this. Bills have a lot of pressure to maintain that one seed. As as we know, as Chiefs fans, it's always important to maintain that number one seed. As of right now, they are in the driver's seat for that and control their own destiny. But this Jets team, I think, makes it kind of a mucky game. And uh, I'm going to take Buffalo to win, but the Jets cover this line. Johnny? Is it Johnny? I think it's Johnny. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, we went we went Minnesota first for okay. uh, Kevin Wheeler. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, the ten ten ten's a lot. Um, Josh Allen played a really poor game in the last matchup. It was it was it was it Zach Wilson? Did you say that Chandler? It was Zach it was, Wilson the last was. time they played, and the Jets did win this game the last time yeah. they played. So yeah, uh, the Jets team loves Mike White and yeah to me I just think that's enough to cover the 10 I actually did see is Matt Milano injured I don't know if Matt Milano is going to play but he is another huge piece 
for this Bills defense. Um, yeah, and that Von Miller news is huge. You know, a lot of time with Buffalo that I we've seen, like, with these large lines for them, like, they do blow some teams out. I just don't – I don't know. I just don't think that's going to happen in the second matchup of a divisional opponent. Both teams, you know, all in on this playoff race. So, yeah, I'll take I'll take the Jets with the 10. Um and yeah, I could I could see that line getting smaller. I'd probably try to grab that before you before Sunday. Before Blaine goes, Matt Milano per sources out of practice today. Deion Dawkins limited as well in practice. That was six hours ago. So reminder, this is being recorded on a Thursday. You'll hear this on Friday. Monitor that situation going into the week if you're wanting to put any money on this game. Blaine, go ahead. Yeah, Quisenberry, too, limited with an ankle, and those are the two tackles and their best linebacker. That's – yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I went full douchebag that by, that Minnesota segment, and I'm going to I'm gonna dial it back and, and be kind. It's like you guys are spot on. I, I mean, this is, this is where – if Zach – like you said, Zach Wilson beat the Bills, and Mike White has been that much better. I mean, he was awesome last week against Minnesota, especially in the last two minutes. He was awesome. Um, kudos to Chandler as well. Garrett Wilson has been one of the best wide receivers in football since he has a quarterback change. That this New York team's throw blame by Mike White. That fourth down and long throw was absurd. Oh, oh, he looks so comfortable. It's awesome. It's really awesome to see. Like I, it's good for the NFL for the Jets to be good and this division to be so fun and. It's going to continue to be fun. At Buffalo, 10 points. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's a clear 40-degree day, and both these offenses are going to have their ways. Also, kudos Chandler. Again, Sauce Gardner leads defensive rookie of the year odds as of today. Just just bumped up to the first-place spot. So, um, yeah, man, this game's going to be awesome. I'll go ahead and take New York with you guys. Hashtag thank you, Chandler. NFC East battle, Philadelphia Eagles, my week 13 takeaway. Uh, shout out, travels to take on the New York Giants at the Meadowlands. Seven-point favorites for the Eagles, and I think I love that line. I think that Vegas actually has this nailed um, in terms of the, the number. I think this could be a decent game early, and I really see Philly pulling away midway through the third quarter late third quarter into the fourth quarter obviously I, th- I think Philly's too much for this Giants team Saquon shows up on the injury report as we as Blaine noted before we started recording um so monitor that for fantasy and this betting because I think if he plays it's different Philly has been playing better against the run obviously we saw last week what Derrick Henry was unable to do with some of their uh their midseason acquisitions in terms of Indomitian and Sue and uh, Linval Joseph, I believe. What can Saquon do against this defense? I think it says a lot about this Giants team that they're in the hunt just based on growth. But I think this Eagles team is too complete right now. I really do. Um, I look for them to cover this number and win this game, Blaine. Yeah, I looked last week to try to decide this game. Last week, man, were the Eagles impressive. I thought that was going to be close. They blow out Tennessee. And the Giants just, they, I mean, they had so many chances to beat Washington. Overtime went to a tie at possession, possession, possession. If you can't capitalize on possessions against this Philadelphia Eagles squad, you're not going to win and you're not going to get close to winning. 
seven points is right because it's a rivalry in division, as you noted, like this, this could be fun, but I just don't really see it um, with, with what the Giants have across the roster, and especially if Saquon's not full. I'll go Eagles. Three for three. Guys, did you I, – I know you did. The the ending of the Commanders-Giants game, the tie, was absolutely hysterical. I, I don't know if, like, the kicker, like, kicked the top half of the ball or something – for the for the for, for the Giants or whatever, but like the kick was like ten yards short, and it was like dead silent watching both teams like walk to the middle of the <laughs> field. It was like, okay, well I guess we'll go home now. It was freaking uh-huh. hilarious how that game ended, and I think that uh-huh. on the Giants on the Giants side, that leaves a really icky feeling and kind of like a man you know, feeling going into the next week of practice and preparation. And it's a complete 180 on the other side for the Eagles. The Eagles are riding high. That is a tough Titans team, and they beat them down. Their boy, A.J. Brown, who they just got from them, you know, big locker room guy, leader in uh, on the team, total stud on the field, had a great game against his former club, the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans, in response, fired their GM who facilitated the trading of A.J. Brown. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the two opposite locker room energy levels between yeah. the Eagles and the Giants and give me Philly in this spot, they, no doubt. Just in, Washington's on a bye this week, so i got to say this while I could. I was, I was in D.C. for during this game at D.C.'s most popular sports bar, and it was pretty cool to see just how the, the different cities work, but I it made me really mad about my Washington take because Washington fans were excited that that was a tie, and it pissed me off so bad. We Lose still have the chance. We tied it. You know, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. I was pissed. And I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm out on the commanders, but that made me want to be. They, they play next week again, which is kind of fun, but had to, had to, had to make that point. Yeah, fun fact also about the uh, ex-Titans GM, SEMO alum, very good friends with our um, SEMO athletic director, who I do need to give a shout out to play in fantasy this week in my office league. His son, Jack Barkey, has been kicking butt in our league. I think they're 10 and 2. My team's awful. So honestly, if I'm going to lose, maybe not a bad time to lose to the uh, to the head boss, um, you know, down here in the athletic department. But I just needed to give him a shout out. Because take it easy on me this week. Carolina travels west to take on the Seattle Seahawks. And this is a weird game, in my opinion, because I let's start with Seattle. Seattle, never really know what Seattle team you're going to get. Huge injuries for them. Their entire running back core is completely banged up. Kenneth Walker, more than likely, out. DJ Dallas, high ankle sprain. We see that. People are always out with those. Um, and you either get a unreal Seattle defense or you get a really bad Seattle defense. And somehow, some way, this Carolina Panthers team has found a little bit. Oh my God, guys. 
Derek Carr just threw a horrific interception. Wow, that was good to see. <laughs> I mean, that they are in the red zone, 49 seconds left till halftime, and he just threw a pick that, we'll say this, ill-advised, very ill-advised. But back to Seattle, like I said, you don't know what they're going to get with their defense. On the flip side, Carolina kind of has this resurgence, kind of like the Jets with Mike White. They kind of maybe weirdly believe in Sam Darnold. I don't know how to really navigate those waters. I'm a big travel makes a difference guy. I'm going to take Seattle with the points, minus four, and at home. I'm going to take them to win and cover, but I would not be surprised if A, Carolina makes this a very, very close game. And I really don't think I'd be surprised if they somehow win this game. I really wouldn't. Only plus 160 on the money line if you're a betting person. So I don't know, man. I'm going to take Seattle, but this is a toss-up. I'm staying away from this if I'm putting money out there. Johnny? Yeah. I don't know why this feels like a trap. I I, I might be overthinking this. I, I don't want to give any bad advice because I gave so much bad advice last week. So I would just take the home favorite in Seattle. And you're talking a lot about fantasy in one of the leagues where I'm the number one seed, not to brag. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons why my team did so well is because of the the drafting of Kenneth Walker. And early on, I was like, oh, shit, this is terrible. He was just kind of sitting on the bench rotting you know, injured and stuff like that. And now here he is injured again. So that kind of sucks. Hopefully he gets better soon, but, but I don't know, I guess we'll, we'll talk more about this Seattle team in a couple of weeks because they play the chiefs, but I really can't get a read on them because early on and before the season, I was talking about how I thought they're going to be a bottom five team in football. And for the majority of the season, of course, that's been wrong. And that's, it's, it is, it, it is wrong. They're not a bottom five team in football, but, I don't know. Part of me might just think like there was just a bit of a fluky run. Like, does Seattle actually believe that they could get this out of Geno for a number of years? I don't know that they do. Like, I think in, I think in, if the if a scenario presented presented itself to Seattle, like, like it like Jimmy G next year or a or Lamar Jackson, like I said earlier they would take that in a heartbeat over Gino. It almost just kind of seems like it's a blackjack hand that they're letting ride over and over again with Gino until they have to find a solution elsewhere. I'll take Seattle here. I think the Panthers stink, but this game might stink. It might stink. It might stink. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm in on Darnold, but I picked him up in my fantasy league. I'm on two quarterback fantasy league as a flex I've been riding like Pacheco and Rashad White as as my two guys at, at the bottom of the flex, but I think I might play Darnold. He slung it against the Cowboys. I mean, it only had like 12 completions, but it's the Broncos, but it's the Broncos' defense, the best in the NFL. They put up 23 on the Broncos, and that's pretty hard to do. And it's Seattle gave up that many points to the, I mean, the horrible Rams. So, Panthers are trying out something with Darnold. This is Darnold's game to prove that he will be their quarterback next year. It's 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 Sunday. And if he doesn't do it Sunday, I don't know what Carolina does or where they try to go. But I, I think I'm going to put my money on Darnold 
even though it's a tough place to play travel, like you're talking about, I think I'm going to go Panthers here. And and I think, uh, I think I'm going to start Darnold now, fantasy. Wow. <clears throat> Love it. San Francisco hosts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady returns home. I believe he's from San Francisco. Should be an interesting game with Brock Purdy at the helm of the San Francisco 49ers moving forward. Um, Tampa on Monday night. I have no idea how they won that football game. The New Orleans Saints, we won't talk about them this week because they're on a bye. What a horrific performance. But nonetheless, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win that game by a point. Um, they just don't have that pop, that wow, that that pizzazz that you think a Tom Brady-led team would have, and especially with the players that they have on that team. They just seem... I don't know, man. They just are so – they seem so mid, to use a Johnny Rowe term. They are one of the most mid teams in the league, and their record shows that they are mid. Um, and with even with Brock Purdy, guys, I think I like this Niners team at home by minus three and a half. I really do. Um, I know the whole Brady rule and the Bilicek rule of, of waking up the next day, but – at home for the Niners, I expect them to run the ball heavily with Christian McCaffrey and Debo and play good defense. And this Tampa offense has not shown me that they can beat this from Niners defense, in my opinion. So I'm going to go Niners, and maybe that's a crazy pick given the quarterback situation, but I don't think so. I think he manages the game, um, and as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Niners win this game outright. Uh, Johnny. Nope, Isn't Blaine. It? Yeah, Blaine. Yeah, Blaine. sorry. <laughs> flip flop, flip flop, flip flop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> flip flop, flip flop. I'm actually wearing flip flops on my feet right now, so it works. <laughs> you, yeah, I love that. I'm reading here, guys, and I don't. I have no idea how this is true. Buccaneers are listed as underdogs for the first time this season. That is bonkers. Their schedule. I, I'd have to go back and look at it, but their schedule must have been easy or it's a tom brady line or something i don't i don't get that whatsoever and you know i'm obviously i look at quarterback play with brock purdy and and how the bucks finished that to to try to predict this game but who are either of these teams right now i i mean this is this is the most question i've had probably all year in a football game san francisco at home who is brock purdy I I I want to be able to give you guys something, but I would be stupid to try to give you something because I don't want you to put your money where I say I believe in something I don't, and I don't believe in shit on this game. Stay far away from from this. I want Brock Purdy to be good though. That would be an amazing storyline, and I want the 49ers to be good with him, Mister Irrelevant. As has that happened before with the quarterback? I feel like in the past in the NFL history, there's been a Mister Irrelevant. No. He's the first Mr. Irrelevant ever to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL. Yep. I know that for a fact. So rooting for him, like you but said. But Brady was down there near Mr. Irrelevant in when he got picked, right? Was was very, very late in that draft. So kind of drawing the the ties there. But yeah, I I guess if I'm gun to my head, I'll 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 take Tampa Bay. You heard it here, here. You heard it here first, folks. Brock Purdy's the next Tom Brady per Blaine Wheeler. Johnny, what's up, brother? Uh, I understand what you guys are saying. 
I agree the Bucks looked awful. The only reason the Bucks had a chance in that game is because Mark Ingram mysteriously went out of bounds on second on second down when he easily could have gotten the first down and keep in mind like I don't understand. I mean if if what was I'm he doing? a Saints if I'm a Saints fan, I am I would somehow even though the seasons are completely different, but if I'm like a diehard Saints fan, I would be in a worse position emotionally after that than I was as as I am as I was after the Chiefs Bengals game. Like if he just gets the first down, that game that game doesn't end like it did, and it was just absolutely pathetic that a guy who's been in this league for a decade isn't fighting to get to the chains on every down, regardless. It's just pathetic. Anyways, we're not talking about that. The Saints. We're talking about the Bucks. And look, the story with Purdy would be would be awesome. But come on, like the goats getting three and a half points against the number two hundred and sixty second pick in the draft. Like, I even if it's it's the wake up test. Like even if it even if I lose, I don't think that's a game that I would bet a ton of money on. But like. I would I probably want some action on that game. And like Brock Purdy versus the Bucks defense? Yeah. I'll just take I'd take Brady in the points in that scenario. I do think Brock Purdy is the first Mr. Irrelevant to contri- like to score points since Ryan Suckup did for the Chiefs. So shout out Ryan Suckup and Mr. Irrelevant. But I'll just I'll take Brady and, and the points here. Yeah, Debo also has a, I think it was like a quad issue. So he might be, if he plays, he'll probably be ineffective. So that's, that's a big, that's a big knock. Yeah. Update at the half, Thursday night football, Raiders going to the locker room up 10, 13 to three on the Rams. Baker Mayfield playing okay, but not great. Um, Kind of been a boring game. Josh Jacobs playing pretty well. Shout out to my fantasy team in the playoffs, not to brag. Sunday Night Football, Miami Dolphins go on the road to take on the L.A. Chargers in a game that got flexed to Sunday Night Football after the league flexed out the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. This is kind of an interesting game because the Dolphins were just out here on the West Coast and got kind of thumped by a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo and then a lot of Brock Purdy. Um, in a weird game that you would think the Dolphins could have found a way maybe to come back and win, but obviously Shanahan over over his time has proven that he's been able to win with kind of lackluster quarterback play. He beats his former disciple and Mike McDaniel. I believe it's not McDaniels, it's McDaniel. This is a weird Shout game. Shout out, Chase. The, uh, I'm... I am curious, not that it really matters um, in terms of who I'm going to pick, but I am curious to see if the Dolphins flew all the way back to Miami before they came back out to California. But I'm going to take the Dolphins here, but I think as Chiefs kingdom, we're rooting for the Chargers here. I really do. Um, The Dolphins are a more uh, viable threat in the AFC, in my opinion, than the Chargers. I know they always play as close, but. I think we want to keep the Dolphins kind of tampered down if we can. A little two-game losing streak would be very nice to see here um, from the eyes of the Chiefs' kingdom. So I'm going to take the Chargers to cover, but I am going to take the Dolphins to win. Um, Blaine, what do you got for me? 
Yeah, Derwin James didn't practice, which you you hate. Sebastian Joseph Day didn't practice as well. Kenneth Murray full practice, which is good, but those two guys are so huge in a stopping to it, but also like Derwin James, you, you need him out there for you to be able to do anything with what Tyree Kill is trying to do. And I don't, you know, I don't love what the Dolphins did last week. I think that the Dolphins may be on a little bit of a question mark from from how things, but I mean, the Chargers defense just has underperformed all year long. Are they going to be able to defend this insane passing attack with with Tyreek? And I just, I I want it to happen. I think it'll be close. Therefore, I'm going to take the Chargers, but, um, you know, let's go Chargers. No, don't, don't say it, Staley. Uh, <laughs> don't say yeah. it, but... But, uh, I, you know, I'm going to go Chargers. I, ju- I just really think the Dolphins have a little bit of growing up to do. Notice the contrast in how I said that I'm rooting for the Chargers compared to how Blaine said it and the vein in which he used to describe his passion for this Chargers team. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just despicable. Johnny, yeah, what do you got yeah, for me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So there's a lot of uh... – like media buzz and there has been for some time that compares Herbert and Tua. Tua was taken in the draft before Herbert before this year. That has looked like a very dumb decision. I still think Herbert is the superior quarterback. Tua has won a lot more um, and more consistently than Justin Herbert. I don't know. I, he, he's, He's the quarterback of a division rival. He always plays the Chiefs well. I think Justin Herbert is a phenomenal talent. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I think he is I think he is his reputation as a winner is tarnished by a jackass of a head coach and just flat out bad injury luck yeah. on his football team. Like I really do. I think Justin Herbert is an incredible player. He gets Mike Williams back this week. I love the Chargers in this spot. I agree. I need to see more from Miami. I still think they're kind of a candy-ass team, although I like their head coach. One thing to watch, he always plays the Chargers well. Tyreek is amazing, and uh, he picked up right where he left off. Nine, nine for 146 and one in a blowout last week he's just freaking incredible but i'll I'll take the chargers in this spot yeah good point on mike williams being back that's huge for the chargers and waddle was dealing with that fibula that's reason i didn't mention him so i wasn't sure if he was playing he's back to full practice today too so both teams should be full go at white out it'll be uh it's gonna be a fun sunday night i'm glad the chiefs got flexed out really you're glad I mean, we'll talk about it, Chiefs, but this this might I mean, is this game gonna suck? Look, I just don't just don't go there. You know I he love the Kansas City Chiefs. Come on. Come on. He said it, Johnny. I'll no. sometimes we'll, we'll let the listeners decide. We'll let the listeners decide. We'll let the yeah. listeners decide. On the flip side of a very exciting Sunday night football game, Monday night football, we haven't had the stinky tag much on this slate. I think it's a good slate. This one has stink written all over it. And 
frankly, it's I really think it's because this Cardinals team is just brutal to root for. I think that I didn't like the Cardinals coming into the season. Um, I thought they might have a better year than what they're having right now, but I still didn't love them. I never liked Kyler. And on top of that, I've been following the Hard Knocks in season, and it is just brutal to root for this team. There aren't really very many cool guys outside of DeAndre Hopkins. He is insanely cool. I really like D-Hop. But, man, this Cardinals team, I don't know, man. They need to maybe move on from Cliff, even though I know they just re-signed him and the GM and Kyler. Um, They seem to want to keep that core together in Arizona for at least a little bit of the foreseeable future. I think I'm all over the Patriots. Minus one and a half on the road. I think Vegas knows. I think that Bill Belichick makes life insanely difficult for Kyler Murray. Um, He's not, first off, we know that there's buy-in questions, all that bullshit, but at the end of the day, I am exercising the Belichick rule here, and I think I would rather wake up on Tuesday morning having known that I put my my stock into this Patriots team over the Cardinals and, and let it, the chips fall where they may. Johnny, can you talk me out of that? I've got the Patriots all day. Yeah, I do, I do too. Um, the Cardinals are so pathetic that someone who is addicted to football like me has no, little to no interest in watching Hard Knocks with them as the feature. <laughs> I mean, it... I'm like an episode or two behind and usually that would be like, I'd be chopping at the bit to watch that. And I really haven't been chopping at the bit with this team. And I think frankly, because yes, D hop is swaggy and really cool. And I like him, but what makes a team captivating are the head coach and the quarterback. And so if you think like, okay, the Lions were the feature on Hard Knocks and Training Camp. Um, Jared Goff is a very boring dude, not very captivating, not very interesting. But Dan Campbell was super interesting. And, you know, he's done a lot of stuff that's pissed me off. And I think some of it's Mickey Mouse bullshit. But um, he, he also was like entertaining to watch. Cliff flat out stinks. Like, yeah, he's good looking, and if you turn your head the other way for too long, he'll probably take your wife into the bathroom and make out with her. But as a football coach, he is just he he's just boring. And you'd think this guy who was high-flying offense at Texas Tech would be able to do that. No, like he just hasn't been able to really win consistently anywhere he went. Yeah, he had a couple of years where they started off the season with, with some wins, but – when it actually mattered the most, you know, it, there's a saying, they say this time of year is when they separate the contenders from the pretenders. Cliff is just a pretender, in my opinion. And I'm not, I'm not going to let Kyler get away with this either. I think Kyler fucking stinks too, just as a dude. Mm-hmm. Like, as a dude, he is like... Bad teammate. Bad does he have any like friends on the team or like the are like as a veteran if you're a veteran like i always draw parallels back to the chiefs of course kyler is not patrick mahomes patrick mahomes is just fucking amazing but like 
like a Carlos Dunlap would never go to Arizona and like a veteran, like trying to get some wins in the, in the end of their career knows how to do things the right way, like knows how to still play. Like a, These veteran guys are not going to go to Arizona and be in that locker room because they, they don't respect Kyler. How could you respect Kyler? Yeah. He's got a lot of talent. He was an amazing high school player in Texas, a, a phenomenal college quarterback. He's done some good things in the league. But as a dude, he flat out sucks. And so I'm just ne- – I just have no interest in the Cardinals as an organization because they've gotten it wrong at head coach. I definitely think Cliff's going to get fired. And, yeah, they paid Kyler a bunch of money, but just the return they've gotten in the first 13 weeks of the season looks like that was a bad investment. Give me – I will say this before Blaine goes. Per the last episode of Hard Knocks in season, Cliff – has a certified rocket. Um, I don't know what her status is with Cliff, but she was in the episode and it made the episode a little bit better. So, dude, Cliff, Cliff obviously, he obviously fucks. Like, right. Cliff fucks. Okay. More right. than likely. Like, more than likely. Yeah, but he stinks. He, fu- yeah. he, he fucks 10 to have a two personality and they're just there in his house because his house is cool like yeah the, the, you guys said it so well now this is what literally like when i was thinking about this game before before we went on the pot i was like the cardinals are those like you have those friends that just try to be cool and they're just not and they try awesome. so hard to be cool and they're just like dude you're trying too hard to be cool like relax and here comes new england who is just purely themselves they know how they're gonna beat you they know how they're gonna do what they want to do and the cardinals you know the cardinals are on 10 days of rest that usually would be a good thing but that with cliff and with the cardinals like i see that almost as a negative like they're thinking too much they're trying to do too much they're trying to be too cool they're gonna be trying to be too cute and belichick's gonna go in there and do what he does and beat them and it's gonna be you know rap story there it is it's done new england one final point to make on this game. I can't believe we spent that much this much time on it, but that just goes to show how shitty the Cardinals are. Horrible at home. Awful Horrible. at home. It makes no sense. They are the wor- one of the worst home football teams in the history of the sport. Not just not just this season. I think ever. So yeah. how can you that. respect a team? You can't respect a team that does that. Like I'm looking here on my phone just while. You- you know, just glancing real quick at all 32 teams in the league, you know, other than like teams that I, I, I hate, like I, I hate Denver. Like I, so I would, I would throw them out of the equation, but like looking at all the teams in the league, there is not a team that I respect less. And that that's, that's like hatred aside, but just like looking at their team, their coach, their, their quarterback, their culture, there is not a team with a worse culture on it uh, in the entire league than than Arizona. So if we have any Cardinals listeners, you guys fucking suck. <laughs> yeah, I hope not, honestly. I'd be fine without them. Final game of the episode. Kansas City Chiefs traveled a mile high for the first time this season to take on the Denver Broncos. Interesting to say there. Chiefs nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to spend my time on Denver here breaking this down because I think the Chiefs are in a great bounce-back spot. I really do. Um, I think that this is a perfect time for this Chiefs team to to get a bad taste out of their mouth following last week's loss by three in Cincinnati. 
um, going up against a team that is flat out terrible. And for a defense that kind of got put on its ass a little bit in terms of how bad in term, I don't mean bad in terms of bad on the field. I mean, bad is in personality, the way they were talking, the way they were acting throughout the week, you would thought that they were one of the best defenses of the league. And that's just not statistically the truth. I think it's a great opportunity for this young secondary to get some good confidence. Um, and in, in a game where this chief's defense can really win this game. I know that our offense needs to show up, play well, but this Denver offense guys is really, really bad. Russell Wilson has eight touchdowns passing and five interceptions on the season. And he just signed a $245 million contract. That is abysmal in every sense of the word. And why would I have any, if I'm a Denver fan, why would I have any confidence coming into this week based solely on this offense, guys? Let's let's start there, Blaine. Start with the offense for Denver. Um, I mean, what do they do against this Chiefs defense? I don't know what they do. And I, I, I and I want I want it to be clear. I don't. I'm really pissed off at this defense. I think they wildly underperformed, maybe more than what you guys think against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, yeah. Where does Denver go? That's what that that that's my biggest question is Russell Wilson has been so so bad that he's almost been so bad that you're waiting for him to do something good and in a rivalry spot at Chiefs defense that's struggling that this is the game where if any game he's going to be good which I I don't think will happen but that's where like if I were to try to spin this against the Chiefs I would say like well Denver's defense is really really good. Patrick Mahomes has had two of his three worst games in his career against Denver over the last two years. Drew Locke has single-handedly allowed Kansas City to win last year in January and in and, and years of, in past. Like The Chiefs haven't played well against this Denver defense really since 2020 when we beat them, what I think like we beat them by 30 in Denver. But... I have to ride with you, Chandler. I have to ride to think that this is a get-right spot, that our defense and our young core was very, very tested against Cincinnati. They're in the film room with confidence that they are getting better, and this is a time where they show that they are getting better, and I think that it's a, a pretty easy task. Now, my question, as I, as I kind of alluded to, is what will Patrick Mahomes and this offense do after what they did last week? How good will the Kansas City Chiefs offense? How, how good will they be? Because Denver's defense is arguably the best in the NFL. Scoring wise, they are the best in the NFL. So let's see it out of Patrick. Go out there, put up 30. If you put up 20, if you put up 24, you know, it'll be close, but you win. Go put up 30. Let's let's plant the flag, kick the shit out of Denver, move on, and be confident. Do you, what do you want me to talk about, Chen? The, just the whole game, or do you want me to focus on one side of the ball? I want you to rip it, brother. Okay. All right. <laughs> Broncos, Broncos, oh. side Broncos, Broncos side first. The Broncos offense obviously is terrible, and there are two key pieces of the Broncos offense that haven't practiced this week. Offensive lineman Dalton Reisner, shout out K-State, and uh, wide receiver Cortland Sutton. So it's going to be Jerry Judy and some – rookie wide receivers on the Broncos offense. 
the I the Broncos offense has they can't score touchdowns. Okay? Like they 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 have a really hard time scoring touchdowns. Their kicker Brandon McManus did not practice on Wednesday was limited today, so he's he's ailing somewhat too. I know the Chiefs defense had a letdown spot last week. The Broncos haven't been able to move the ball on anyone. On anyone. Now, like, don't overlook the spot. This, the Chiefs are going to get the Broncos' absolute best shot right here. Like, their absolute best because they're looking at this as the Chiefs are coming off of a loss. They're going to overlook us. They probably spent extra time that they would look ahead to us with some people last week, focusing solely on Cincinnati, blah, blah, blah. The Chiefs are going to be ready for the challenge. Mahomes has never lost to Denver. It has been seven years since Denver has beaten the Chiefs. But I just don't see how Denver's going to score. I really don't. I, I think the Chiefs' defense is going to be able to do a good enough job here. The Chiefs are are essentially fully healthy. The only injuries that they have uh, of any note are that Nick Bolton and Kadarius Tony have both been limited in practice this week. They're still practicing. So I think the Chiefs are really at full strength versus a Denver team whose offense is terrible and they're down an interior offensive lineman and their best wide receiver. So I I just think it's awful for Denver, and I think like this this might be the game if they're going to fire. We've been saying it week in and week out, but like if if Hackett loses to the Chiefs again, maybe this is the time that that he gets fired. And I did see one more thing too: um, defensive tackle DJ Jones, who is a damn good player, popped up on the injury report today with a shoulder injury and straight up didn't practice. So he didn't have an injury designation at all yesterday and did something to his shoulder that was bad enough that he didn't practice today. So something to monitor in the interior because he's one of the best defensive linemen in the league against the run. And uh, the Chiefs certainly are going to be able to have to – are certainly going to be able to have to run the football against Denver here. Um, Did I have anything else? Melvin Gordon's on the Chiefs now. Melvin Gordon, revenge game. He just got cut by the Broncos a couple weeks ago uh, what else you guys yeah i i just wanted to bring the question like what do you guys want to see out of the chiefs here like what are you watching what where's your question line what do you want to see complete was... domination sorry chandler mine's yeah. really easy yeah this is it's it is a divisional game division games at this point of the season should be closer games i want a complete ass kicking of the denver broncos I want to hold like 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 hold them to no touchdowns, like a total ass kicking of Den of Denver, and it's supposed to be like forty seven to fifty degrees at kickoff in Denver. It's going to be good weather. Beat their ass. Sorry, Jan. Go ahead. No, you're good because I'm going to echo everything you just said, and and mine in terms of kicking their ass stems from what I saw last week with the inactivity of the D line. I want this D line to be, I want them to get back to being nasty. I want them to have at least, I want, I would love a four sack game. I look for the secondary to get back involved with the blitz uh, going off Johnny's point with Corlin Sutton being out and Blaine mentioned it uh, in the recap pod. 
The Bengals are not going to allow you to blitz from the secondary because they have so many weapons. The exact opposite can be said about this Denver offense. So look for luxurious need to have a good game as well. But really, I want to see more activity from the D-line. I want pressure around Russ. I want balls tipped at the line because he's short and can't throw over the middle. Um, I want I want all of it from the D-line. I want their best performance um, after having one of their worst performances last week. And a performance that I truly and 100% believe they're capable of. And quite frankly, shocked me that we didn't get it. Um, last week against Cincinnati because up until then I thought they had been the most consistent group on our defense I really did in terms of activity and production um, I think the Nick Bolton on the injury report or limited in practice is probably just wear and tear I mean that guy is on the field at all times making a ton of tackles so probably just monitoring him I I, I fully expect he will get 100% full workload on Sunday so my expectation for the defense, I want the D-line active on the offense. I think that the tackles need to have a really big game. I think that they have to protect Patrick. Like you said, Blaine, you know that this Broncos defense is going to be charged up in one of the best ways to pull off an upset, especially against a division opponent, is to make big plays on the defense, and that can come with a big sack. I don't know where that sack is necessarily going to come from because I don't love Denver's personnel, um, but it's a good spot for them to get some confidence coming down the stretcher because we're going to need them no matter how many pressures they've given up. That's the great thing about this sport of football. It really doesn't matter what's happened the last 13 weeks. You can give us many pressures as you want. Of course, we don't want that to happen weeks one through 13, but 14 to the Super Bowl, this is a great time to rewrite the narrative of this Chiefs offensive line in terms of pass protection. Give a clean pocket for Patrick, and this offense scores 30-plus. There is no doubt about it in my mind. John, you had a final point? Yeah, just because I want to hear what Blaine has to say, too, about this. It's just like like you said, against this Broncos offensive line, that's a disaster, right? Left tackle, Garrett Foles, their best lineman, has been out for weeks. He's out for the whole season. Um, if Reisner can't go, he's their best interior guy. This line is going to be terrible. You should be able to get home with your front four. But let's just say the game's going like, and you're not. Who cares? Send more pressure. Like Russ, you know, when you pressure, when you're trying to find, you know, if you're blitzing and you're trying to find the hot, Usually the hot kind of just goes over the middle and sits down. Russ doesn't throw the ball over the middle of the field. And they don't have the weapons on the outside to beat your corners. So just all game long, send extra bodies and make them make. And other teams are doing that, by the way. Other teams have done that and they have not been able to do it. Why would they be able to, to do it against the Chiefs? Like make make them prove it. Keep sending guys. Don't let Russ sit back there and then just like get and have comfortable rhythm throws from the first snap of the game. Don't let him do that. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I want I echo everything you said. My like my true question isn't if our defense can stop this the Denver offense. I just really want to see how our offense because it wasn't the same last week and we've had trouble with Cincinnati which you know I don't know if they've confused Pat or if they've confused the way that we put we're in our offense or what Denver's defense is better than Cincinnati's I'd say not a quite a bit but 
by four, five, six teams better. I mean, this defense is legit. If this offense, this offense has to, has to, has to execute. And that's the, I don't care if it's a seven point win and this offense puts up, you know, 500 yards. I'm, I'd be happier than that. Then the Chiefs win by, you know, win 14 to nothing or something, something of that nature. I want to see this offense go out there, score some points, get some confidence and roll. It's all on, I'm watching all on Pat, all on Eric, all on Andy Reid. How are you going to dial up and change things for the run game, for the situational, for the, for, you know, some different receivers to get involved more heavily without Mark, Marquez Vandes, uh, Valdez, Scantling bailing us out in third and 10. No, I wanted him on a second and seven to gain 14 all night long. That's what I want to see. I love it. NFL week 14 episode in the books. Johnny, you want to take us away with a Johnny's final thought or are you too deep in that bowl of cereal? My final thought is that Frosted Flakes might be the goat cereal because I am absolutely mowing a pre-bedtime <laughs> snack of Frosted Flakes right now with whole milk. The best way to drink milk is whole milk. I don't want to hear anything about almond milk or cashew milk. If somebody can point me to the nipple on the almond, I might consider drinking the milk that comes from it. I've never found a nipple on the almond. I drink cow's milk because there's nipples on cows. Let's go, Chiefs. I actually believe they're called udders. But <laughs> that's a different topic for a different day. Really well said, Johnny. I kind of agree. Cereal is one of the most elite uh, late-night snacks there is. It's probably top three, I'd say. And it might even be, t- it might even be number one. Um, I absolutely love cereal. I actually ran out just the other day. So that's unfortunate for me. The Cheerios. Yeah. I went apple, uh, apple cinnamon Cheerios too. Fire. So fire. Insanely good. Uh, boys, awesome show. Really, really awesome show. NFL week 14 in the books. Back next week for the Chiefs recap on Monday. Back to our regular scheduled programming next week as well. This has been awesome, boys. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. See ya. See you guys.